It's always a schuss to be here. I haven't actually been here in many years since before COVID, um, but the years before COVID, I was here every single year probably. And the reason why I love being in this particular yeshiva is because I have wonderful Talmidim from Lander that came from this yeshiva. And there's always something very special about a Talmud of Teresh Raga. They have certain, a certain sweetness to them, a certain propriety and, uh, and an honesty about them that's very refreshing. And uh, that's no doubt a reflection of your wonderful Rabbeim and, uh, and the environment that, you, uh, that you're zeichet to be in here. I'd like to share with you a, a thought that I had on this week's parsha, which is Parsha's Emmer. The parsha says something very strange. It says, "Daber b'nei Yisrael." This is in Parak Chaf Gimel Pasuk Beis. The Amartale and speak to b'nei Yisrael and say to them, "Mayade Hashem." These are the Mayadim of Hashem. These are the Yamim Taivim, the festivals of Hashem. Asher tikkur oisim mikrei kaidish, that you should declare them mikrei kaidish, holy convocations, elahe mayadai, and these are they. Okay, so now we're ready for the mayadim. So what are we expecting? We're expecting to hear about Pesach and Shvuas and Sukkot. Those are yam taivim. And the Pasuk starts out, Sheshes yamim teyasem melacha uvayim hashvi, Shabbos, Shabbos, and kaidish. Six days you should do work. On the seventh day is Shabbos. Don't do any work. It's Shabbos. And then it says, and then it goes into the Mayadim. It speaks about Pesach and then Shavuos and then Sukkot. That always bothered me why Shabbos is considered to be a Mayad. That's a question that has, I think, plagued many people. Many Mepharshim deal with this. But what bothers me even more is the fact that it seems from the Pasuk, if you take it literally, that it's not just Shabbos that's a Yantif, but that Sheshes Yamim Teyasem Lacha is also a Mayim. These are the Mayadei Hashem. It doesn't say Shabbos. It says six days you should do work, and on Shabbos you should rest. It didn't say that Shabbos was the Yantif. It doesn't say that Shabbos is the Mayim. It says that the six days our work days, and on the seventh day is Shabbos, and presumably, ostensibly, the entire work week is also considered to be a Mayid, if we're taking the Psukim literally. I want to share with you a Rabbeinu Bechaye that quotes a Rambam. Now, we don't have this Rambam anywhere as far as I know, except for this Rabbeinu Bechaye. This is the only source for this Rambam. And if I wouldn't tell you that it's a Rambam, if I wouldn't tell you that Rabbeinu Bukhaya quotes it, you would understandably probably think that it's a Hasidish Pshat. He says like this, he's quoting a Rambam. And he says on a Pasuk elsewhere, it says, Sheshes Yamim Tavayd Biasisa Kam Lachtecha, Ubayayim Ashvi Shabbos Lashem Likecha. So listen to the way the Ramam understands this. Sheshes yamim tabayd, you should serve Hashem for six days. It doesn't mean you should work. It means you should serve Hashem in the workplace. 
He says, like we find by the Aves, that they did things during the week, but they were all godly, they were all divine. Whatever our Aves did, Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, when they were working during the, the six days, they weren't, they weren't just stam working, they were elevating everything that they did. And Shvi is also Shabbos Lashem. You're serving Hashem in a different way. But the six days of the week is really serving, not working. It's not that you're working. It's that you're serving Hashem. And I think that that might be the pshat here as well. The word mayed, what does the word mayed mean? We, we define it as a, as a yantif. But really, does anyone know what the root of the word mayed is? Any, I don't know if in yeshiva here you have vads. You ever have a, a vad? What does a vad mean? A vad means a meeting. It's a meeting. So a mayed is really a time that we meet Hashem. It's a rendezvous with Hashem. And you think, okay, that's yantif. But it's not so. We have a rendezvous with Hashem every single day that we're doing work. When a person goes out to get a job and he's going on a train and he's working in, a, in whatever field he's in, whether he's in a hospital or whether he's working in a law firm or whether he's working as an engineer or he's working as a, uh, as a businessman, whatever he's doing, he is always meeting Hashem. He's able through his work to get very close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's a, uh, an amazing... Pasuk in Tehillim, Kufta Zayin, Es Halech Lefne Hashem Ba'artzais Hachayim. I shall walk in front of Hashem in the land of the living. What does that mean? B'makam Shvakim, says the Medrash. In a shuk, in a marketplace, that's how I'm working, walking with Hashem. Because even when you're in a marketplace, even when you're at business, when you're doing work, there's also tremendous opportunities to serve Hashem. People think that when you go out to business, it's, it's basically, there's no, uh, there's no religious obligations at business. At work, you don't have to do much. There's a story that's told about Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. He had a Talmud who was a sheikhate. And he said, Rebbe, I want to get out of that line of work. It's too much, uh, it's too much achrayas on me. It's too much responsibility. I have to make sure that every cow that I shecht is perfectly shechted and all the many halachas are done properly. And then I have to uh, check out the animal afterwards to make sure that it's really kosher. And it's too much responsibility on my shoulders. So Rishel Salantis says, okay, so what are you going to do for a living then? So I'm going to go out to work. He says, do you think that there's less responsibilities in halacha when you go out to work? You think there, there's no God at, in the workplace? At the, there's no halachas? There's a million halachas in the workplace. There's laws of ribbis, and there's laws of, uh, of stealing, and there's laws of overcharging and undercharging, and, uh, and, and how, to pre- how to present a product. And Baruch Hashem, today there is a... Uh, an, a real revival of, of the laws of Chesha Mishpah. Chesha Mishpah is the section of Shulchan Aruch that is really a forgotten section almost for many, many people because 
you know, we know that there's arachayim, you have to act a certain way at home and in shul and, and with your lulav and esrog, everybody's aware of that, but when it, go, it means, when it comes to dealing with money matters, money matters is, uh, you know, that's no man's land, that's where I get to, to do whatever I want. But it's just not so. Rabbi Shalsanti says it's better to be a shaykhay. There's a, at least there you sort of know the halachas. When you go out into the workplace, there's so many halachas that you need to know. But it's an opportunity, if you do it right, to really get close to Hashem. Even in the marketplace, a person can make a kiddushim shamayim. A person has opportunities, endless opportunities, to constantly meet up with Hashem if he so chooses. There's an uh, amazing Mikhtam Eliyahu, or Dessler. He says the following. He quotes a, uh, a Chazal that says that there was somebody by the name of Chanoich. Early in Sefer Bereshis, Chanoich was Taifer Menalayim. What was he doing for a living, this Chanoich? He was a, a shoemaker. He was a, uh, a cobbler, as they call it. He made shoes. He used to sew up shoes. Umiyached Yichudem Lekainai. And he was doing Kabbalistic things as he was making the shoes. He was having like every stitch that he made, he was doing something Kabbalistic. He was miyachid yichudim. He was saying, he was somehow declaring Hashem's oneness with every stitch that he made. So the Alishur quotes, uh, or the, the Mikhtam rather quotes Rabbi Yisrael Salanter as saying, what does this mean? Does it really mean that he was having... Kabbalistic thoughts as he, was show, as he was sewing up the shoes. If he was, then he'd be on the hook. Mitzad Chayshem Mishpat, he would be responsible. Imagine what those shoes look like. Imagine you're giving your shoes to, to, to this person, to Chanaych, to make to, or to fix, and he's being miyachid yichudim. There's going to be like, you know, threads all over the shoes. It's not going to be a good job. So, what does it mean? What it means is that. His yichud, the way that he was able to make HaKadosh Baruch Hu echad, was by doing the best job with a pair of shoes that he did. It w- did not mean that he was, while he was at work, he was thinking about something else. While he was at work, every single moment at work, he was focused on the shoe that he was making. And when a person focuses on his job, and only on his job, then he's able to make a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. He, that's Miyachid Yechudim. That's how he's going to be able to elevate HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the workforce. Just this week, I had a, uh, a halachic shayla, and I'll tell you what it was. I, I, I'm working on, a, I, I wrote some books for Art Scroll. Um, that's a flex. But, um, so it's not a T4. It's a big difference. Um, but I was working on a book, and I needed, I have like a, a lot of pictures that I put in the book to make it very interesting. Another flex. But, so, 
but you need, where do you get these pictures from? So some of them you get from, you know, you, you, you pay for, or you ask, or whatever, and then there were some pictures that I needed from one of these stock photo websites. You can get like, you know, that's how all the magazines, newspapers, they don't have photographers that go and take pictures of, of sunsets and trees. They, they basically just buy it. So I only needed a few pictures from a certain website, but it was a, it was a lot of money. But they were running a, a free trial. You get 10 free pictures. Um, but, you know, and that's, you get 10 free pictures. If you, if you want to sign up, then it's $29.99. You have to sign up for an entire year. But if you don't, you could just, like, basically, you know, download your 10 pictures and then cancel. So I was telling my daughters about this. They said, Ta, is that ethical? It sounds like a little shady. You know, you, you're, you know that you're not buying it. You know that you're not going to subscribe to this uh, service. So how do you feel good about taking, the, uh, taking these free trial pictures? I said, you know, it's a good question. I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, so what I did was I called a halachic hotline. In Lakewood, there's, uh, they have Dayanim, they have specialists in Lakewood that are experts in Chesha Mishpat. And all they do all day is they sit by the telephone. I don't know who pays them. I didn't pay them but somebody apparently pays them and they answer halachic shaylas. It's a wonderful, wonderful resource. They're not the only ones. I'm sure they're, you know, all over the world they have these. So I called him up. He called me back. Um, and I told him the issue. He said, it's not a shayla. He said, it's not a problem. He says, because they're, they're doing it. They know that, you know, they're aware of the fact that, you know, most people are probably not going to do it. And Afal came, they put, they put it out there. I said, but I have zero intention of signing. He said, that's fine. He said, that's fine. So I came back to my daughter. I said, it's, I told you it was fine. I told you all the time. You know, everybody knows it's fine. You know. But the point is that there are so many things that you question constantly. And these are major, major issues. When you're at work, Chesha Mishpat is a major problem every minute of the day. And when you're even, you know, doing daily life, regular life, when you're not in, at work, you're still in yeshiva, you still have a million of these ethical, moral issues that come up that it's so important to get right because if you don't get it right, then it's sort of, you know, it, it's borderline Geneva. And then there's all types of Kabbalistic things about, you know, coming back as a Gilgal, there's a famous story of Reb Chaim Belozhner, who was the famous Rosh Hashiva in the Yeshiva Belozhin, and he, um, he had a Talmud that was nifter, suddenly, very suddenly, a young Talmud, and everybody went to the Levaya, to the funeral of this Talmud in the morning, and at night, Reb um, Chaim Belozhner was roaming the halls of his Yeshiva, there weren't that many halls, if you ever saw the size of Yeshiva Belozhin, it's, uh, it's probably the size of this room, but he was walking down a hallway and he bumps into this Talmud that was Nifter that morning. All of a sudden, Chaim Velazhner bumps into him. So he says, aren't you supposed to not be here anymore? You know, you, I thought we went to your Leviah this morning. He says, yes. So that's true. But I had to come down. I got permission to come down. He says, why did you get permission to come down? He says, what happened was that I was very sick and I went with a friend of mine, 
we had to go to a doctor. So my chavrusa took me to the doctor. It was in another town. We stopped at a certain inn. And in this inn, there was a, the innkeeper. And he lent me like a, a couple of dollars. I had to buy something. I had to maybe buy some, something to drink, something to eat. He lent me money and I promised that I'd repay it. It was mamish a few dollars. And, and then what happened was I got sicker and I didn't have a chance to repay him. I came back and, I, and then that's when I was nifter. I came up to Shamayim and they were telling me, you know, he seems good, he's, he's ready to get into Elam Haba. There's just one problem. He has a dollar thirty-six on his account that has been unpaid and he can't go into Shamayim unless he makes sure to pay that back. So they allowed me, because I had such a good record, to come back down and ask the Rosh Hashiva to make sure that my friend goes back to the innkeeper that he knows who it was and to make sure that he repays that money. And this just illustrates a little bit of how careful we have to be, how careful we have to be with every single dollar, with every single penny, with whatever we whatever we do, and sometimes we're very, very, you know, good about it, and sometimes we're less good. I had a, um, I had a Talmud who, um, he came over to me uh, one day in Yeshiva, a wonderful boy, and he said to me, I have to, I'm reminded of a certain uh, sin that I did when I was younger. And this is like the best boy, like he's such a sweet, fine, nice, good guy. He didn't go to this yeshiva, but he's still a very good guy. And he said, um, when he was in high school, so every day, him and his friends would go to a certain local eatery for lunch. And it was just like common, it was done, that you know, they would get, let's say, a bagel, whatever it was, and then they would, there would be like an open area where the Snapples were and the Cokes were, and very often he would pay for the bagel, and then when it came to the drinks, he would just like, he knew that he was stealing it, but like it was just like, they just did it once in a while, or, or more than once in a while, and you know, the, no one knew, no one tracked it. And now he, you know, he went to Eretz Yisrael, he came to Yeshiva, and he, and he recognized that it was bad, but you know, he didn't know what to do, like what do you do? Sometimes like you wanna, you wanna make right, but you don't know, you're, you know, it's, it became so big. He didn't have that much money, and he, how's he going to repay it in the first place? And anyway, I encouraged him to call the owner of the restaurant anonymously. He doesn't have to tell who he is. And just explain to him the situation. Maybe he'll be Michalin, or maybe he'll come up with a... In the end, they came up with like a payment plan, and he's, he's doing it in drips. He's doing it slowly. But it's so important. It's so important to be very, very careful about monetary matters. And I just read somewhere, I'm trying to think where I read it, but it's just in my mind. There was a woman who was not from, and she worked in a, uh, she worked in a yeshiva. She taught in a, in a boy's yeshiva. I don't know which one. And so her colleagues from other like, like public schools that she also worked asked her, how was it, you know, working in a yeshiva, teaching, teaching yeshiva boys, how, how does that differ from public school? She said, well, they ask a lot of questions. They're constantly asking me questions. But she says, I'll tell you one thing positive about them. She says, I'll tell you if somebody leaves a $100 bill, if I would leave a $100 bill on my desk 
one day, if I come back a week later, it would still be there. That's how ethical and moral and honest these Yeshiva Bachram are. And that's what we, we really should be striving for. When we're living this life, we have to make sure to really hone in on these matters, on these, on these matters that are very, very often forgotten. And we, we're, we're very quick to be meichel ourselves, and we, we do this, and we borrow this, and, you know, some, I just, I, it happened to me just now. I came into Yeshiva, and my phone was dead. And as a, I don't know why it keeps dying very quickly, but um, I think I need a new phone. It's an iPhone 8. Um, but that's not a flex. Uh, but um, so I, yeah, there was like a charger, and I was like, I really need a charger. So I asked my son Yitzi to find out whose charger it is. I didn't want to ask myself, but um, and somebody says, Yeah, it's fine. You could do. It. I said, Do you do it? He says, I do it, but I don't know if that if it's mutter just because I do it. And then somebody said very emphatically that you could use it. So I I trusted that person. He sounded like he really knew what he was doing. So I, I Taka used it. But um, I hope that's okay. But every, but every single thing, like you're using yeshiva's energy, using somebody's charger, and we just say, okay, it must be fine. It's okay. And maybe it is okay, but you have to like be very, you have to look at life with glasses that are more chesha mishpadik, like much more focused on being, you know, doing the right thing and making sure that whatever we're doing is really is really on the, you know, on the up and up. Because if it's not, then it's, uh, that's a very big tain on us. And that's something that we have to work on as B'nai Taira, as, as, as people of Klal Yisrael. Um, if we're not, there's a, uh, 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 there's a, a Maril, I think the Maril once gave a, a drasha, and he said that Jews have to be honest people. They have to be ethical and moral. He says, you know why? Because Mashiach is going to come, and Mashiach is going to come, and, and he's going to come and redeem the Jewish people. And what are the Gaim going to say? The Gaim are going to say, that's the people that God chose to redeem, those crooks, those people that are never honest and that they just want my money and they're not, and they, they cut corners and they cheat and they steal. Is that, that's the people that God chose to redeem? So Maril was saying that you have to make sure that everything that you do is ethical and honest and moral to the highest degree because otherwise Mashiach is not going to come. Why would Mashiach come and redeem us? What did we do to deserve it? It's going to be the ultimate Chil Hashem instead of Kiddush Hashem. If, if we're the people that, we have to be the people that are, that are you know, of the highest caliber. If Shimon Schwab once said on a Pasuk, the Atta Alba that you are going to trample on their Bamis, on their high places, on the Gaim's highest places, you're going to trample. What does that mean? He says, you take the frumest guy, you take the most ethical, honest non-Jew, that should be where our honesty begins. That's where our journey begins. That's not where it ends. We have to begin at the point that people are honest and, and, go, and go beyond that. I'll tell you a very beautiful story. I was once at a, a very big convention and they had a, a certain Rebbe that got up to speak. This is very well known, but I, I think you might have missed it because I think this was when you were probably in, in high school or, or earlier than that, so maybe it didn't hit the news when you were of age to, to, to hear it. 
But this, there was a Rebbe in a, in a high school. He was not wealthy at all. He was on a Rebbe's salary. And he bought a desk on Craigslist, if anyone knows what that is. So he bought a desk. It was somebody local. And he, uh, he basically took ownership of it. He got it very cheap. And he had to get it into a, his study. He wanted, to, he wanted a desk to learn at in his study. It didn't fit. It was a little too wide to get through the doorway of his study. So he had to take it apart. He had no choice but to take it apart piece by piece. And when he took it apart, there was like a trap drawer. There was like a sort of like a covering in the drawer in one of the, one of the desk drawers. And it popped open and there was a bag inside of that desk drawer. And inside that bag was $98,000 in cash that the previous owner had, I guess he had left it there and then he died and his kids sold his desk. They had no idea about it. And you know, $98,000 is a lot of money for, for anybody, but especially for a Rebbe that's making maybe half of that for the year. And, uh, you know, and, and really could have used that money. And he, you know, people told him, you know, I don't know, maybe you could get a hat there, maybe there's this and that, and there, you know, maybe you could finagle a hat. He says, he says, no, he says, I want to make the biggest Kiddush Hashem in the world. And he, I think Rabbi Shemuel Kamenetsky was asked, and he says, of course, you have to do this. It's a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And sure enough, he, he contacted the family I don't think they knew about it, or maybe they did know about it, they heard about it. Anyway, they were shocked that somebody would actually call and return that amount of money. It's a massive amount of money. And it was in every newspaper, in every television newscast, on the internet. This guy became world famous. Literally, like, you know, television crews from Japan were covering this story. It was such a chiddush that somebody would be so ethical and so honest that he'd return this $98,000. They gave him a little bit of a reward, of course, and whatever, but you know, it, was, it was such a kiddush Hashem. That is a, a nation that Mashiach could come and everybody could say, I understand why Mashiach is coming to redeem this people. They're honest people. They're good people. They're fine, upstanding citizens of the world. They care about humanity. And when people are able to do that, then that is what we're talking about. That's sheishes yamim teyasim malacha. That's a mayad. Part of the mayad Hashem, part of the yamim taivim, the days of meeting of Hashem, that we get to meet Hashem, is not just yantif when we're in our sukkah or in shul on Yom Kippur. Those are the special days. Every single day that we're out at work, doing our thing in college, in the, in the operating room or in the boardroom, whatever it is, we have opportunities galore to meet Hashem through making a Kiddush Hashem at every step of the way.